0: Advances in precision medicine have helped to reshape the cancer landscape with the development of diagnostics to determine which patients may benefit from a specific drug. Little progress, though, has been made outside of the area of oncology to avoid the waste of time and money on therapies that won't work for an individual patient. Cypher Medicine is working to change that for the treatment of autoimmune diseases by identifying which patients would benefit from which drugs. We spoke to Alef Sala, CEO of Cypher, about the company's approach, the opportunity it's addressing, and how he sees the area of precision medicine evolving. Alif, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. We're going to talk about autoimmune disease, cipher medicine, and its efforts to allow for a more targeted therapeutic approach to autoimmune conditions. Perhaps we can start with TNF inhibitors. This is a class of biologics like Humira and Remicade that are used to treat a number of autoimmune conditions. How do they work and what do they do?
1: So anti-TNF therapy treats patients, uh, that are failing methotrexate therapy. Um, so as, uh, patients with, uh, rheumatoid arthritis or, or IBD, specifically also ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease, uh, progress from mild disease to moderate to severe, uh, a number of different drugs are being, uh, uh, prescribed. And eventually, if you have severe disease, you end up being treated by anti-TNF therapy, Humera, as you mentioned, being the main anti-TNF therapy that's being prescribed. So it's really, the, I would say, the last effort after you've failed other therapies such as uh, methotrexate or steroids uh, that you're being prescribed to uh, to treat your disease.
0: These therapies can be uh, effective for some patients, but not all. What, what percentage of patients who are treated with these drugs actually benefit from them, and, and what's the consequence of a large number of patients getting these drugs and, and not benefiting?
1: Yeah, so the, in, in rheumatoid arthritis specifically, uh, the American College of Rheumatology has very clearly defined what the treatment target is, which is low disease activity to basically having a patient being treated by a, a therapy and then reaching what's called low disease activity. And unfortunately, 65% of patients that are prescribed anti-TNF therapy don't reach that low disease activity target. And as a result of that, <clears throat> uh, they're not getting better. Uh, they flare more often. Uh, so the disease is basically uh, roaming back, or rolling back, rather. And... Uh, and uh, they are, as a result, seeing their hospitals, seeing their doctors, and being treated with other drugs to treat the symptoms of the actual disease. So the unfortunate situation here is that we have a big class of drugs for which 65% of the patients don't actually get a clinical benefit in terms of reaching low disease activity, which is the target for these drugs.
0: And is there a financial consequence to that?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you think of anti-TNF therapy, together, it's about $34 billion of drug spend. And if you think of the fact that 65% of patients don't have a, a, don't reach low disease activity, which is the target, 65% of that $34 billion is uh, dollars not spent very efficiently. Uh, and uh, it, you should also mention that there are other drugs, other mechanism of action drugs, that are approved to treat uh, rheumatoid arthritis and and IBD. And what we keep hearing from both physicians and and, uh, patients is that what they need is access earlier to those other therapies that can help them. So if you're a patient who will not respond to TNF therapy, you want to be able to be in a position to get access to the other drugs uh, faster.
0: You've developed a, a diagnostic Prism RA. What is it, and, and how does it work?
1: So it's, it's a test uh, that predicts up front, uh, at baseline, so before you're prescribed a, a TNF therapy, if you will actually uh, respond to the drug. Uh, and if you will, great. You should be prescribed a therapy. Uh, if, you, if you will not, however... Uh, the recommendation is that you prescribe alternative-approved mechanism of action drugs.
0: I know you have a, a, a separate prism you see for ulcerative colitis. Are, are these the same tests? Do these tests work in any patients with any autoimmune disease, or are they specific to a, a specific type of autoimmune disease?
1: So they're all developed uh, for specific types of autoimmune disease. So we have a test for rheumatoid arthritis, and then we also have a test for ulcerative colitis. Uh, they are the same test in the sense that they're both blood tests. Uh, they're both measuring uh, gene expression data in whole blood. Basically, we sequence RNA to generate gene expression data. But the actual markers in the gene expression data that we look for are different in rheumatoid arthritis compared to ulcerative colitis.
0: So would an ulcerative colitis test be predictive of how a Crohn's disease patient would respond to a TNF therapy?
1: No. No. So we need to develop, uh, we need to generate the data and prove that the data predicts response uh, uh, using a clinical endpoint uh, or endpoints that are unique to each indication. So you have different ways to measure response in Uh, in each and and, and every one of those indications. So that's why for each disease, we go after it individually and develop an individual tailored test for that disease.
0: I know that patients can sometimes fail on one TNF inhibitor and benefit from another. Does your test predict that
1: in any way? No. So our uh, test predicts non-response to TNF therapy as a class. So we we identify the patients that are not going to respond to any TNF therapy.
0: And what have you done to validate these tests?
1: Yeah, no, great question. Um, So we have done uh, a number of things. Uh, We have uh, validated the test uh, on existing data that's out there in the public domain, step one, step two. We've then validated the test on data that we've generated uh, from uh, blood samples taken from patients uh, ourselves, uh, and now we're in the process of running our last uh, clinical study, which is a prospective trial for 450 patients that we're running in the United States in and, rheumatoid arthritis.
0: And what are the issues you face in terms of, of clinical adoption and reimbursement?
1: So uh, we're still in development phase, right? So we, we're not commercializing the test yet. Uh, so in terms of adoption, I think we can think of it in the context of what is the feedback from the clinicians and from the insurance industry, for, right, from the payers. And that can, to some extent, paint a picture of what are the adoption challenges downstream or the adoption opportunities downstream. So when it comes to autoimmune disease, Right, Uh, particularly RA and and, and IBD. The challenge clinicians have today is that there's very little data that can be used to guide treatment. And when we uh, go out and when we enroll patients for our studies or just speak generally about the test and the clinical utility of the test, to clinicians, the feedback is 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 very very uh, ent- promising and positive and th- enthusiastic. Uh, having more data to help treat these patients, mind you, this is this is a chronic progressive disease. Some patients can have these diseases for up to twenty years, and it's these are diseases that are very difficult to live with. Uh, and they're not going away, right? At best, you can get a patient into remission or or low disease activity, potentially remission, but for the majority of patients, it's all about managing the disease. Uh, so having more data to help that process, the treatment pathway and the treatment process, is deemed by the clinician as being very, very helpful. So I think the reception on the clinician side has been very, very positive. On the payer side, which is more of a financial question, right? So on the clinician side, it's a question of does the test bring clinical utility? We think it does. Uh, uh, on the payer side, it's more a question of does it bring financial utility? And obviously, the financial benefit here is quite significant when you're dealing with the world's largest selling drug class for which 65% of patients don't reach the treatment target. That's a massive waste and inefficiency that obviously the payers are eager to address. So the reception in the in the payer insurance community has been very positive as well.
0: well. Beyond your diagnostic test, you're using your platform to rescue drugs that have been proven safe. I assume, in essence, you're subdividing patient populations to turn these drugs into more targeted therapies. Can, can you explain the opportunity you see there?
1: Yeah, so, you know, if you think of particularly IBD, right, and, and here I would include Crohn's uh, disease as well, together with ulcerative colitis, um, the, the drug pipeline uh, in kind of in development drug pipeline is pretty strong, right? I mean, the community, both the startup community, biotech community, and, and, and the big pharma community is working actively at developing drugs for UC and Crohn's disease. On the other hand, drugs in this pipeline, although it's a strong pipeline, are failing left and right, right? And a lot of drugs are safe but fail due to efficacy. So what we believe is that our technology is best utilized on the drug side to rescue failed drugs, right? To take drugs that have failed a phase two or a phase three, develop a biomarker for that drug, and then basically rerun the trial so that you improve the efficacy by targeting the drug to the patients that will actually respond to it. And, and and we think there's a large opportunity there to really go out and take some of the more recent failures and turn them into successes.
0: And is there a pipeline at this point? Are you partnering with, with drug
1: developers? At this point, our focus is on the biomarker diagnostic side very much. Uh, We have partnered with uh, Beth Israel uh, here in Boston uh, to start the journey, if you will, on developing the uh, opportunity to rescue failed drugs. But we're we're still in development phase there.
0: You also see a, a potential in this platform to identify novel targets for drugs. What's the approach there, and are you doing any partnering along those lines?
1: So it's a very similar approach uh, in the sense that we use the data generated from our diagnostic tests to identify new targets for non-responders to TNF therapy. So it's basically saying, okay, you to got the TNF therapy uh, drugs in the market. They work for a subpopulation. Let's look at the subpopulation that, for which patients don't respond to TNF therapy, and let's look at targets in that population that that population would respond to. Uh, it's early days there as well. Uh, we're in the process of publishing on a number of, of uh, interesting targets that have been identified for that population, uh, and that's kind of where we are in development stage right now.
0: And, and in terms of the world of data that you're looking at, what does that consist of?
1: So we look at what's called gene expression data, which is basically sequenced RNA, right? So we take whole blood samples from patients, we extract the RNA, and then we sequence it to generate the gene expression data. These are data sets, and then we try to look at those data sets and find a correlation between or finding a signal in, the, in those data sets that can predict a clinical outcome uh, in advance. These are data sets that historically uh, have been very difficult to interpret. Uh, They're very noisy, Uh, they're very large, Uh, and it's been hard. People have tried before and and failed. The reason why we've been successful is because we're using a platform uh, that we have licensed from uh, Northeastern University uh, here in Boston that literally took 10 years to build. So the Cypher project started academically some 10 years ago to build a platform with a high degree of capability of interpreting gene expression data sets. And, and now we've been able to prove that we can actually do it.
0: In, in many ways, I'd argue you're trying to make the type of personalized or precision medicine that's long been talked about a reality within the autoimmune disease area. To date, we, we've seen these efforts largely limited to oncology. Why do you think we haven't seen more progress outside of cancer? And, and do you see your approach eventually moving beyond autoimmune disease?
1: So I think there are two reasons for why we haven't seen uh, much kind of precision medicine efforts outside of cancer. Uh, one has been a technological challenge. Uh, it is more difficult to interpret RNA data set sets than it is to interpret uh, genetic data sets, and we've known that you can develop precision medicine tools like biomarkers and diagnostics uh, using genetics in, in oncology. You cannot get to biomarkers and diagnostics using genetics outside of oncology and complex diseases, such as autoimmune disease. Instead, you need to go more downstream towards RNA and protein expression data. Those data sets are more difficult to interpret. They're noisier. So there's been a lack of technology to interpret those data sets. But we think technology, you know, the data shows clearly but now technology has caught up. And with platforms like Cyphers, we can now interpret such data sets. So I think that's one reason. Second reason is there hasn't necessarily been a conversation with payers uh, and the insurance industry around where are the main financials problems that they need to have solved coming from or stemming from the lack of response to big drugs. And I think that's really what's been accelerated in the last, you know, three to four years that the payers have finally spoken up and said, hey, yes, we're used to thinking of precision medicine in the context of oncology, but if we start to look outside of oncology, i.e., the world's largest selling class of drugs, TNF therapy. That's a massive problem. And if there's somebody who can solve that problem for us, you know, we're, we're all ears, right? And we're all ears, and we want to be very supportive of, of any such efforts. So I think what we're seeing now is these two worlds merging, right? The technological capabilities and the, the financial problem statements, right, are, are finally being merged and... and, and and you're starting to see more and more money being invested into precision medicine uh, approaches outside of oncology.
0: Alif Sela, CEO of Cypher Medicine. Alif, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week,